0: Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part. Of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing two stories. We're going to be talking Pedro Neto. We'll be discussing the latest regarding the gunners' interest in the Wolf Star. And we'll also be talking about the reports in circulation with regards to a potential FFP breach at Arsenal. We'll be getting on into all of that. We'll be trying to make sense of all of that but before we dive right into it if i could just ask you particularly if you're watching on youtube to leave us a like on the video subscribe to the channel if you're new and if you're listening via the audio platforms well then please do leave us a review big hello to everybody in the live chat box apologies for the delay in starting i got into a conversation and i didn't look at the time and thought shit it's gone seven i should have been live better run back down to the man cave. So I do apologize for the delay. I'm not going to come up with some elaborate excuse. I just lost track of the time, which is shocking on my part. A uh, big hello to Bad Boy, uh, to Clock and Seb, to Ayush, to Sko, to Moss. Hope you are well. Uh, to Amira, to Jane, uh, to Jason. Uh, who else have we got here? We've got Ishe, we've got MD, who says greetings from Nigeria. And um, a big shout out To uh, the Fort Lauderdale Gooner himself, uh, Craig, who says, Harry, don't have a question, just showing some love, my man. A big, big thank you for your very kind super chat donation. It is very, very much appreciated. A big hello to Nav and, of course, hello to the Wandering Minstrel as well. Okay, let's get into our first story. Let's talk Pedro Neto now. It emerged yesterday that Arsenal were interested. In the Portuguese winger and that he is the priority in terms of the wide forward, the mystery winger that Arsenal are supposedly looking at. And I said that I had some reservations about this. I called them red flags, things that I don't necessarily believe should determine whether or not you go for the player. And and if you think he's the right guy, then you do it regardless of the red flags. But things you should certainly consider when making that move with regards to the price, the valuation, all of those things. And I did highlight some points regarding Pedro Neto that do concern me just a little bit. Now, I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm not going to go into that again. But if you do want to check that episode out, it dropped yesterday, you'll be able to find it on the channel or on the podcast feed Alternatively, I've written a piece on it for the 90min website, www.90min.com. If you go over to the Arsenal section, you will find it there. I've also tweeted a link to it uh, a few hours ago, which you'll be able to pick it up from as well. So what is the latest with regards to Pedro Neto? Because we heard that he was right at the top of Arsenal's list, but we were also told that Wolverhampton Wanderers have no interest in selling him. Now, I said yesterday that you should always be wary of that line. Because no club in their right mind are going to come out and say, yes, absolutely, 100%, we want to sell the player. Because it instantly drives the amount of money that they can demand down into the ground. So I never expected that. I don't expect that from all Hampton Wanderers. I expect them to keep their cards close to their chest. But you do know that if Arsenal do get close to that £50 million valuation that is rumoured to be um, where they have him in their estimations, then Wolves will at the very least come to the table. And there was a video going around on social media yesterday of Pedro Neto talking about Arsenal. A few years back and telling people that they were his favourite English team growing up because of the style of football that we played. And that sparked even more of a frenzy across the social media platforms. But Pedro Neto has been speaking about Arsenal's interest. He's been speaking about the speculation regarding a potential move away. And he said he was flattered, as he would be, but of course uh, remained completely professional, which again is exactly what I expected him to do in saying that he's fully focused on Wolverhampton Wanderers and he's happy there. Listen, people give Wolves a hard time, but they're an established Premier League club. They've had a few very good seasons in terms of their finishes. It all started when Nuno Espirito Santo brought them back up into the big time. I think it was two seventh place finishes, if I'm not mistaken. Last season, they didn't have a bad season. But when you think about how many people were saying at the start of it, that they would go down. And once again, in the transfer market... They've brought some good signings in. I really like the look of Guedes and I really like the look of Mateus Nunes in midfield. I think he's a good player as well. So it's a nice place to be at the moment, you know, particularly as a young up and coming Portuguese footballer. You're surrounded by your countrymen. The culture uh, must be c- as close to something as as you'd get in Portugal as it can be given you're in the West Midlands, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I suspect it's a really nice place to go. I don't think he has any problems with Bruno Large. I don't ha- think he has any problems with his teammates. There are so many like him in that group who have come from similar backgrounds. And so it's probably a pretty comfortable place to be and continue his development. He's only 22 years old, remember. And yes, one of the things I pointed out was his level of output. So I don't quite think it's where... It should be or needs to be, and it'll certainly need to improve if he's going to come to Arsenal. But then when I did a little bit more digging and diving, actually, Jota, now a Liverpool, his outputs were not that great either, but going into a better team under a different coach and into a different system certainly helped him. So, you know, you, you can't say that that is, as I said, a reason not to go and sign the player. But it is something you have to think about. You have to recognise what needs fixing, the gap that needs bridging between what he's currently producing and what he'd need to to be a worthwhile signing for Arsenal and work out whether or not you think you can achieve that. And if you do, by all means, go out and get the deal done. Fabrizio Romano has been talking about this one today and he said that Pedro Neto would be keen on a move to Arsenal and that is a factor in this, that he may have his head turned that he is open to the idea of joining Arsenal. Why wouldn't he be? But he's not in a position right now where he wishes to force it, where he wishes to risk burning bridges between himself and his teammates and the management and the people right at the top at Wolverhampton Wanderers in order to force this move through. And I understand why. He's 22 years old. As I keep saying, he's got plenty of time to develop. The environment at Wolves for him is probably very, very comfortable. And I guess in his mind, there would be question marks around how much he's going to play at Arsenal. And if he's not going to play regularly, will that hinder his development? You can only assume, given that we went for Rafinha, given that we're moving Nicolas Pepe on, that any wide forward that comes into the Arsenal squad between now and the end of the transfer window will be coming into play from the right-hand side, as opposed to the left. Now, Pedro Neto has played more on the left at Wolves so far, but if he's going to play on the right, he's going to be behind Bukayo Saka. Can you see Bukayo Saka being displaced from the side? I think we need backup to him, and I think we need an alternative when he's not at his best. And sometimes that's really evident. You know, sometimes Bukayo Saka runs out of steam. Sometimes he's unable to impact games in the way we'd like. Other times he's superb. And that's kind of part of the parcel when you go for young players. That inconsistency will be there. But Pedro Neto's a young player too. And I'm not saying that he would not want a move to Arsenal or that he would think that it's a bad move in any way, shape or form. But the point I'm trying to make is maybe he's not desperate for it right now for that reason. Can he see a clear pathway into being a regular starter for Arsenal right now? Maybe not. And that's what he has at Wolves. Some of you will say in the chat, and and I saw some of these comments yesterday, that he's better than Saka. He should play ahead of Saka. And that's a a fine opinion to have. You know, it's it's, it's a worthy opinion. It's a, a fair opinion. But I can't see Mikel Arteta, particularly at a time when he's trying to convince Bukayo Saka to commit his even longer term future to the Gunners. I can't see him dropping him. I can't see him making him second best. I can't see him being told to play second fiddle to Pedro Neto. So I think Arsenal are interested in this, but I don't think Arsenal are ready to pay well over the odds. I don't think Arsenal are ready to go absolutely nuts to get the player in. And I also don't think the player is desperate for it to happen this summer. He'll know he's got time on his side and he'll know that if he keeps his head down, works hard, plays regularly and develops further, he'll get that big move eventually. So that's kind of the latest on this. I say that he's not ready to force it based on the information that we've been hearing, reading, uh, taking in today. But could that change between now and the end of the window? Well, if Arsenal do lodge a bid, make a formal offer and do get... To Pedro Neto, do convince him of the project. Do convince him of his role in this team and in this squad, and do convince him that it's the right place to be. Then you could start to see him pushing from his side. You could end up with a Wesley Fofana situation, whereby the club have a valuation Wolves that is of fifty million pounds. Arsenal only think he's worth forty million pounds. Offer the forty million pounds that gets rejected, and then the club and the player are locked in this difficult situation where one is saying I want to go and you're pricing me out of it and the other is saying well we're not going to let you go until we get what we believe you're worth so yeah you know that could still happen that could still materialize there's still nine days I believe uh, eight or nine days until the end of the transfer window so lots and lots can happen you know lots can still unfold so yeah um, one to keep your eye on for sure but I still think that we're not going to get any real concrete movement on this until the Nicholas Pepe to Nice thing is done. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's really important, not because we're going to get money in for Pepe, but just taking some of his wages off of the bill um, would be very, very helpful. Whatever it is that Nice are going to pay in order to subsidize some of it. And. Talking about wages, that moves me nicely onto the second story today. We'll take some questions and some thoughts at the end, but I just wanted to talk about the reports doing the rounds claiming that Arsenal are on UEFA's watch list. According to various sources um, on the World Wide Web and in the newspapers, UEFA are watching 20 clubs at the moment who they believe may well have breached financial fair play regulations. And Arsenal are said to be one of them. Now, the season that they're looking at is the 21-22 season. Arsenal have recorded a loss of £213 million across the last three years, and that's among the highest in the Premier League. But the thing that perhaps they think is a little bit fishy is that even during that period, Arsenal have managed to spend £218 million, which again is among the highest in the division. Arsenal are adamant and remain very, very confident that they have remained compliant with the financial fair play regulations all along. They say they've done nothing wrong. Um, That's what they fed out, of course, um, you know, through the through the grapevine. And they would be happy to comply with any investigation and provide any evidence that UEFA require. Well, let me just say this now. FFP is a load of bollocks. Sorry, probably demonetized my video by saying that, but I don't care. FFP is a load of absolute shit. Okay, we've watched oil state-run clubs come into the Premier League and completely make a mockery of the competition. Okay, not only have we seen, um, you know, Manchester City's takeover and the way they've been able to gain a march on everybody and close the gap, a club that were nowhere near competing at the top end of the Premier League, all of a sudden over a few years, get lots of investment, and there they are right at the top of the tree. We know the deal with Roman Abramovich at Chelsea. We know how Chelsea climbed the ladder as well. And so now all of a sudden to make out that a football club like Arsenal are, are sort of the dirty ones or the ones that are... um. You know, you know the ones that are working the system is is absolutely ridiculous the problem is that when you set the precedent that they have by letting things slide you then can't go and and crack the whip when it comes to clubs like arsenal like Manchester United as well, who their fans will tell you, and I I agree, are run really badly. But the point I'm trying to make is that Arsenal are not one of those clubs. Arsenal are not a Manchester City. Arsenal are not a Chelsea. Their revenues have always been high because they are a very well-followed and have been a very successful football club over the years. That translates into following, that translates into good marketing, good merchandising, etc., etc. And then you become a massive machine. A money machine. That's what Arsenal Football Club are. That's why KSE bought it in the first place. Okay. I I know that the story is, and and Paul has jumped to kind of, um, you know, has jumped to kind of uh, sort of correct me here, but I, I'm not wrong in what I'm saying. Paul says, sorry, Harry, but that is not the story. 20 clubs are on the watch list because they may breach the rules. It's not, they may have breached the rules story was first reported in the Times. Arsenal should not even be on anybody's watch list. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Producing a balanced budget, not just for football. And saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. They're looking back at the 2021-22 campaign. And the reason there is suspicion around Arsenal and a number of other clubs is because the accounts from what I understand, for that period have not been completely finalized yet. Okay, but the fact that we're on a watch list is an absolute joke. When you look at Manchester City and the way they've been operating over the years, you look at Chelsea and the way that they've been operating over the years. And even if you want to say that Manchester City's books look fine, it's because they found ways of funneling their own cash through sponsorships involving their own companies, the owners' companies into the football club all they've done is found a better accountant and that is literally it and so for arsenal to be on this list to be being watched to even be being considered is is rich coming from uefa it really really is it's you know it's awful it's awful it really really is and yeah so what arsenal have lost a bit of money in the last few years and have spent a bit of money over the years how much profit were they making over the years you know how were they able to you know, compete at the top because Arsene Wenger was working miracles for a long period of time without spending the type of money that some of the others were, even Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, et cetera. We were staying in the Champions League because we had a good manager who spent money efficiently, et cetera, et cetera. Towards the end, it went tits up. We all know that. I'm not saying that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that UEFA put themselves across as this you know, like this good force in world football and that they are that they are trying to, to kind of create a level playing field. And I get that. And that's what should happen. But they've allowed too many things to go and too many things to slide um, to be able to now really crack down on this. So there needs to be a rethink about how teams are monitored. And I know that there is going to be a rule change or, or a change in the way that this is implemented from, I think, 2023 which I don't know an awful lot about, but I'm interested to see how that's going to work because something needs to give, something needs to change. That I completely agree with. But it just, it just irritates me that, you know, if there's 20 clubs being watched, that's a lot of clubs. If you think about the high-end European football clubs, there probably isn't even 20. So for Arsenal to be on that list is nothing. You know, for Arsenal to be on that list is a non-issue. But it's been blown out of proportion into this huge story today. Arsenal to be investigated for FFP failings. And they've picked on us because Arsene Wenger was one of the people that spoke out about this kind of stuff. And he was one of the people that was uh, quite vocal about the idea of sort of having these kinds of rules. And I agree with him to a degree, but I just think it's... No, in fact, I agree with him wholeheartedly. I just think it's rich now that, you know, of the 20 clubs that have been supposedly added to this list. And as I say, you know, how many... Think about it this way, right? The big six Premier League clubs, okay? That's six. Real Madrid, Barcelona, eight. Inter, Milan, Juve, that's 11. Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid... uh, Sorry, let's put Atletico in there as well. That's nine. Paris Saint-Germain, 10. How many more big clubs are there in Europe outside of that? Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, that's 12. So how do you even get to 20? To get to 20, you're basically looking at all the big European clubs on the continent. So to put Arsenal as name out and make this big story about Arsenal is just pathetic. And um, and it really got under my skin. It, it really, really did, as you can say, as you can see. You know, UEFA tried to do something with Manchester City. They tried to have them banned from European competition and the Court of Arbitration for Sport overturned that decision. And now... Manchester City are able to compete in that competition, which just shows that they didn't get this right in the first place and there are ways around it. So if there are ways around it and people are going to take advantage of it and take the piss out of the rules that you've set anyway, then why now come after other clubs when you haven't even tried with most of them, but the one that you did try and get, they slipped away from your grasp because you weren't good enough and you weren't shit hot enough on it to make sure that that conviction, if you like, stood But anyway, I guess it's because we're top of the league. (laughs) But yeah, that's my little rant about FFP. Look, I I like the idea of FFP, okay? I like the idea of some sort of regulation that makes it a level playing field or as close to a level playing field as possible. If you're a big club, if you generate tons of revenue, of course you'll be able to spend more than the smaller clubs. I have no issue with that at all. But I just find it rich that, A, we're even on a list. And there is a list of 20 clubs. Like, I mean, if you've got a list of 20 clubs, you're basically investigating any club of any stature in Europe, number one. And number two, the way this report has come out. Oh, Arsenal are under investigation for a potential FFP breach. First of all, you don't even know that we've done it. Second of all, the accounts haven't been finalized for that period. So it is just, and and listen, UEFA aren't the ones that leaked that. You know, UEFA aren't the ones, maybe the leak came from UEFA, but UEFA aren't the ones that published that story. But I just think UEFA have just lost so much credibility over the years with so many different things that they've done, things that they've allowed to happen. I mean, they shut down the Super League. They worked so hard to shut down the Super League, which again is another issue that with their stance, I wholeheartedly agree. But then they go and make changes to the Champions League format that basically near enough mirror those of the Super League in terms of the way it turns into like a league format and all of that rubbish. And so what was the point? The only issue was you weren't getting a slice of the pie when it was going to be the Super League. And so you reacted to it and you made sure that you'd done everything within your power to shut it down. So you'll have to forgive me if... I don't care that they're looking at us. I don't care that they're watching us because I have no confidence that they know how to follow through with these things um, and make sure that they're implemented in the right way anyway. Looking at that Manchester City example, Manchester City don't make revenue. Look at the money they've been spending because they found other ways around it. They found loopholes in the system. They found ways of doing it. Chelsea were losing money, hemorrhaging money pretty much every season. And Roman Abramovich was pumping it in, pumping it in, pumping it in. And again, they found a loophole. They found a way around it and nothing happened. So why now are there 20 clubs on the list? Why is Arsenal one of them? And why has this story come out and been doing the rounds? Why? Because we're massive and people want to make a mountain out of a molehill. I recognize that this is not my most balanced and calmed, calm. calm balanced and calmed, balanced and calm podcast. I know it's not my most uh, balanced show, but this really got under my skin today and I felt like I had to come on here and vent about it. Um, And of course, let me know uh, your thoughts in the comments. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. I'm going to take some of your questions now Uh, from the live chat. Uh, Vector Arsenal says, Harry, we've not been watched. Apparently, we have complied with their so-called rule. What they need to do is investigate Barcelona. There's another example. I didn't even think of that off the top of my head. And how could I miss that? How are Barcelona allowed to pull the levers, as people keep saying, selling off this, selling on that? They'll be selling off their mothers next month, the way they're going. It's embarrassing. And it's being allowed to happen. Yet UEFA have the cheek to look into Arsenal. The press have the cheek to put out a report looking to smear Arsenal's name, looking to highlight that Arsenal could be one of those clubs. You know, it might be one of those clubs looking at what we've um, lost and looking at what we've spent and all of that jazz. If there's 20 clubs on that list, it really is a non-story, but they've turned it into one. Uh, what else have we got? Clock and Seb says, UEFA on their high horse, not long after Platini and Blatter were in court for fraud. Laughable. Uh, Lynn Simpson says, and we are a threat in the Europa League. This hasn't happened before. Uh, Nav says the initial report was probably a Spurs fan. Uh, love that. Um, Vector also says, Harry, don't listen to the FFP stuff. They're a bunch of crooks. They need to look at their own teams like Barcelona. Um, Paul James also says UEFA haven't confirmed the watch list exists, only that 10 clubs have breached FFP. Yep, you, you're absolutely correct. But again, you know, come out and say that they're not on the watch list then. You know, often people say, oh, you know, we can't say this, we can't say that, we can't talk about this, we can't talk about that. If Arsenal aren't on your watch list, well, come out and say, as UEFA put out a statement, you know, we are very keen and very... um focused on making sure that we implement the financial fair play rules as best as possible and we are doing our due diligence we are currently undergoing investigations we do not have a watch list as has been reported we assess on a case-by-case basis and we will notify the clubs if and when we feel or believe that there has been a breach shut it down you know how much respect people would have for UEFA if they did something like that? But they never would. Okay, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Shin Asuka says, uh, I smell an anti-Arsenal agenda. Indeed. Uh, Peter Griffin says, can Emil Smith-Rowe and Martinelli play together? Slightly off-topic question, but I'll take it. Uh, yeah, I think they can. I think that Smith-Rowe can play in the 10 role. He, that's where he came on at the weekend. I think that you know, Mikel Arteta sees him as someone who can play in that 10 role as well as from the left and as well as from the right, if needs be. So there's no reason why the two of them can't coexist in the same team. I would say though, if it were down to me, I would say that Emil Smith-Rowe, I think looked better last season when he played from the left rather than through the middle. And I think that Martin Odegaard gives us so much in terms of the press, the work rate, the energy. And of course he's the club captain now as well um, that I can't really see him being left out. So, it limits the opportunities for smith Row and Martinelli to play together, but that's not to say that they can't. Uh, Comdeen Masumi says, do you see us getting Murdick if uh, Neto doesn't work as a short-term solution? or Also, if Liverpool make a move for Kaiseido, could you see us going in to try and get him first? I quite like Kaiseido, um, but I don't think Brighton are going to sell him after allowing Bisuma to go if he continues in this upward trajectory at uh, Kaisedo he could go for a big big amount of money next summer so i don't expect brighton to let him go not in this window i'd be shocked if they did it'd have to be an offer that they can't refuse as the godfather would say etc etc but um yeah i i don't think what liverpool are doing makes the slightest bit of difference to us in terms of what our strategy and plan is and i don't really know too much about the ukrainian winger so i don't know if he's the solution it's a report that's come from some sources sources that haven't really been backed up on it by the people that i'd normally look to for that so i'm a little bit reluctant on that one as well but thank you for your question mate um clock and seb says would you try one last punt at zaha winger forward who at one point was almost begging for the transfer i just think it costs too much money and i just think that the ship has sailed um for Wilfred Zaha and that big move. I think he's going to stay at Crystal Palace. Um, And yeah, yeah, that's, if the money was right, I'd certainly give it a go, but I don't ever feel like we're going to be in a place now, given his value to Crystal Palace, where the money's going to be right. Um, Miklos says, Harry, I think UEFA don't want Arsenal to be successful. What about Tottenham or Newcastle? Yeah, you know, we kept hearing about Tottenham hemorrhaging money during COVID, losing out because of the stadium and not being able to use it for other events and then activating some loans or whatever it was they did to raise money to be able to spend in the transfer market this summer, all of those things. That seems to be okay though. Newcastle, to be fair to them, despite being the wealthiest club in world football, haven't gone crazy in their spend. And Mike Ashley didn't spend nothing. And of course it is over a three-year period and, and they've probably still got a bit of wiggle room as a consequence of Mike Ashley's um, austerity measures, should we call them that? <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Um, sko says, would you rather Telemers now or no one but caicedo next summer? I really like Kaiseido. I really, really do. I think he's got so much ability. But a lot can change in a year. I think we need a midfielder now. So I'd probably lean towards Tielemans on that basis because that deal feels a bit more achievable. Uh, Vector Arsenal says, are you going to the Fulham game on Saturday? I am. I will be there, my friend. Um, of course. What else have we got? Uh, Damian Kelly says, what about Everton's decore? as cover for Thomas Partey. Again, a bit like Wilfred Zaha, I feel like that ship has sailed. Not keen on him now. I would have been a couple of years ago. Not now. Ship has sailed for me. Okay, going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much, as always, for tuning in. Remember, don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on audio format. And of course, Um, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Did I say that already? Leave a review if you're on audio. Subscribe if you're on YouTube. Like if you're on YouTube. And uh, leave me uh, your comments in the chat. And um, I'll be reading through them a little bit later on. Thank you all so much. I'll catch you all tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.